so for the long cycle, which I compete in, which is the clean and jerk, uh, you lift two 70 pound kettlebells for 10 minutes. Once you put them down, you're done. It's, it's over. You don't, the, the set is over, whatever reps you had. So you cannot set them down. Uh, the, the snatch and the jerk traditionally were paired together. So it's two separate 10 minute events. And in the snatch, you only get one hand switch. And again, that's one 70 pound bell. And in the jerk, it's two 70 pound bells and you are jerking it basically from your hips to, or, you know, from like hip, hips, chest area to overhead for 10 minutes. Welcome to the Bar Band Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by Barband.com. Today, I'm talking to Bill Esch, known online as the Kettlebell Warrior. Starting with a background in Olympic weightlifting, Bill discovered kettlebell sport in his late 20s. After five years of dedicated training, he became the first American male to achieve the rank of Master of Sport International Class in kettlebell sport. In today's episode, we talk about the origins and history of kettlebell sport, what exactly it is that Bill competes in, and we give some context on the extreme marks of endurance, strength, and mental fortitude his and other kettlebell athletes' accomplishments really signify. Also, I want to take a second to say we're incredibly thankful that you listen to this podcast. So if you haven't already, be sure to leave a rating and review of the Barbend podcast in your app of choice. I'd also recommend subscribing to the Barbend newsletter to stay up to date on all things strength. Just go to barbend.com newsletter to become the smartest person in your gym. Now let's get to it. Bill Esch, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. I have to ask, you're someone, you're known for your, your kettlebell prowess and you're known for the content you produce around kettlebell training. I feel like everyone and their mother is buying up kettlebells these days during a quarantine period. Have, have you seen an increase in interest in kettlebell training during uh, the pandemic? Yeah, I have. Um, now, granted, during the pandemic, I uh, have had more time to be on social media but uh, in that like five weeks, my uh, following has gone up like 5,000 people. So <laughs> I would say people are definitely, definitely more interested in kettlebell training for sure. I know uh, I have some contacts over at like Kettlebell Kings and those guys couldn't hold on to kettlebell. I mean, they've been sold out every time they reload. So uh, it's a great tool you can use to train anywhere with now have people reached out to you asking you know where they can find kettlebells do you have a hookup somewhere because i mean they're truly like sold out pretty much everywhere at this point you know they really are uh i know some of the i think they restocked at kettlebell kings yes hold on so to answer your question i've had people ask me if they could rent my kettlebells (laughs) and uh i i refused because they're my kettlebells so, uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's a, there's, there's a definite need for them right now. Everyone has a price. Everyone has a price. <laughs> like what, what, what is, what, you know, what would get you to at least temporarily part with some of your beloved bells here? Oh boy. That's tough to say, man. If I put this out there, I'm going to get that offer. That's the thing. And I really, I hate parting with them. It's, uh, it's like one of my 
favorite tools and you uh, you feel like you break them in. But I do have a price. Of course I do. I mean, you know, they can uh, they can rent them for, you know, 50 bucks a day if they like. <laughs> oh, oh, you're going to say I was going to say, don't don't put the price on air. They have to reach yeah. out to you. I know, I know. Well, it's you know what? By the time this airs, it'll probably be uh, you know, someone will restocked. Yeah, well, I was going to say, you you'd also don't want to set a floor, right? You want to have them come to you with an offer. Because what if someone's like, oh, 60 bucks a day? Obviously, yeah. obviously, I don't think we're going to get to that point. I, I don't imagine yeah. you starting off a kettlebell rental service. But it is cool that people have been, uh, you know, one potential silver lining out of this is that it's increased awareness and interest in strength sports and and modes of strength modalities of strength that can be explored in in more confined spaces it can be explored in your backyard or or at home and and we've seen at barbend interest just kind of go up across the board but when you say training with kettlebells most people think of something different than kettlebell sport which is actually how i first came across you uh on the internet so tell us a little bit of your background if you don't mind about how you first got interested in kettlebell training and then how that became an interest in and and in many ways mastery of kettlebell sport okay great um so when i was younger i was introduced to olympic weightlifting and so this is back in it would have been like 92 93 that i started olympic weightlifting and uh competed at uh like one collegiate nationals did a number of state competitions and things like that and i loved it like i i loved uh the aspect of theirs, it was a sport, right? It wasn't just, um, you, you weren't just going out for a pump, but like that you were trying to really master something and that there was this uh, learning to control the kinetics of the bar, not just be strong, but actually uh, you had to react to the bar and you had to, there was a, almost a patience, like once you got under the bar to wait for that inertia to help bring you up. Um, but I'm not that powerful of a guy. And uh, I have a crazy amount of endurance. Like I was always a, a good distance runner and had a, a really good amount of like strength endurance. So I came across, I mean, everybody saw like Pavel, you know, in the early 2000s with the bell and he really brought it to the United States. And I started going down this YouTube wormhole and came across all these Russian guys doing what looked like um, endurance Olympic weightlifting with kettlebells. And I thought to myself, I'm like, I bet I'd be all right at that. And, uh, it, I, you know, that this is, it's, it's the same principles of like, uh, of clean and jerk and snatch and, and jerk. And, uh, and so I looked up, um, you know, kind of guys in the U S that were doing it. And Steve Cotter was one of them. And so I contacted him in 2009 and went out to San Diego and, and trained with him for like a week. And at the end of that week, he's like, hey, you know, we're uh, holding the IKFF, which was his, uh, his uh, kettlebell certification organization, um, which is fantastic. If anybody is looking for a certification, it's a great one. Um, and uh, he's like, we're holding nationals out in Michigan. Why don't you uh, – you know, get ready for that. And so that was the first one that I got ready for. Well, Steve is a, a friend of, of Barbens. He's actually been on our podcast before. So it's, it's really cool to hear about these, these connections in the strength world going back over a decade. Kettlebell sport is interesting because, you know, it's, 
it is like Olympic lifting, endurance Olympic lifting with kettlebells. And there are a few different – there are you know weight categories. Uh, there are uh, all different disciplines you compete in. There's the snatch. There's the short cycle. There's the long cycle. Basically, you know, the jerk and the clean and jerk, different time domains. What was the first one you decided to start training for? Well, I started in uh, – so the three main kettlebell sport lifts that – uh, traditionally are competed in and internationally are competed in is the 10 minute snatch, the 10 minute jerk and what they call the clean and jerk is the long cycle. And just to give a background on this for people that might not know what it is, is if you're lifting at a professional level, you'll lift. Um, so for the long cycle, which I compete in, which is the clean and jerk, uh, you lift two 70 pound kettlebells for 10 minutes once you put them down, you're done. It's, it's over. You don't, the, the set is over, whatever reps you had. So you cannot set them down. Uh, the, the snatch and the jerk traditionally were paired together. So it's two separate 10 minute events. And in the snatch, you only get one hand switch. And again, that's one 70 pound bell. And in the jerk, it's two 70 pound bells and you are jerking it basically from your hips to, or, you know, from like hip, hips, chest area to overhead for 10 minutes. Um, and there's usually, I think a 30 minute break, a 20 or 30 minute break between those two events for those competitors. That's an immense amount of work. Just even holding on to, you know, the 70 pound, 32 kilo, two pood, however you want to call it bells Mm -hmm. for the men for 10 minutes. I mean, most people, most seasoned strength athletes can't hold those bells in the front rack for 10 minutes. No, it's crazy amount of time. It's, I mean, it's painful. There's the thing that I love about, um, kettlebell sport is that you have to really learn to calm yourself down. It's about how, how relaxed can you stay under a great amount of duress and how much work can you produce while staying relaxed? And so it's really, it's funny. It's, it's so much about like how you breathe and not, getting overexcited, only putting the amount of work that needs to be put in to get that next rep. And it's, that's the mastery of being able to do it. Otherwise, if you try and muscle it, you're done. You're not, I mean, no one ever lasts. I mean, efficiency is the name of the game and tension sounds like it's going to be a killer there, especially if you have to, you can't put them down. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't take them out, go as hard as you can for a few minutes and take a 30 second rest because, because you're done. So I'm curious, the first time you competed in long cycle with the 70 pound or 32 kilo bells, you know, how many reps of the clean and jerk did you get in 10 minutes? And then how did that evolve over the course of your competition career? So the first competition I went to was, uh, the IKFF nationals. And I think, I believe it was, uh, I think it was still 2009 and I, I competed with 24s and they have a, that's 24, 24 kilo bells, just to clarify. 24 kilo bells. So two 24 kilo bells. And, uh, I did 92 reps, which set an American record for the 24 kilo bells in your first competition. Not bad, Bill. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I couldn't move my arms for like, uh, a week. (laughs) I mean, I was so sore. I was wrecked. Uh, but it was, it was so great. I, uh, I, what's so the, the sport itself is so humbling. Um, there was this, I was getting, I'd never competed 
And I had, you know, I, I didn't really have a coach. Steve had helped set me up and he was just like, you should go to this. And I was like, great. And so I went and I didn't know you're supposed to wear a belt or, uh, cause it helps with your rack position. Uh, there's a whole bunch of different chalking of the hands techniques and even like where you kind of like wet the shirt. So it helps your elbows stick to your shirt better. And I didn't, I didn't know any of this and I'm standing next to Sean Armstead and I didn't know Sean at all. And Sean looks over at me. He can, he can clearly tell, I don't know what's going on. Right. And we have about four and a half, five minutes before we both need, we're going to compete against each other. And he's like, let me help you out. And he helps me chalk my bells and like, you know, shows me how to like water my shirt. And we couldn't find a belt in time, but this, this guy couldn't have been better. It couldn't have been a better representation of the sport and uh, gets me totally set up. And, and then he, and then like literally like 30 seconds, he's like, all right, good luck. And he gets on the platform right next to me and you know, we get set up and we go. Um, and it, it might've been that aspect of it, that it, there's a real, you know, in those small strength sports, there's a real community and camaraderie and you understand the torment of what you are about to undergo. And it's, it, it becomes humbling because one, you're on a platform and usually there's about 10 of these platforms and each platform has a person competing on it and you're standing in front of a crowd. So essentially you're, you're really alone, kind of like a track meet. And it's, it's at, at a certain point, there's just this, this question. It's, it's not a question of when the agony is going to come, but it is going to come. And can you push through and can you calm yourself and, uh, you know, having Sean next to me, that very first uh, meet a guy that I, I didn't know at all and completely just like, you know, he didn't, he, he took time out of getting himself mentally prepped. And, you know, I know he had been training for that and to help me. And, and it's just, it's just these people, 10 people roughly. Yeah. Standing stationary on a small platform with two bells and the and the pain just builds gradually over ten minutes. If that's not a way to build camaraderie between two strangers, I don't know what is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's that got me hooked. And then, um, you know, uh, I did. You know, so I probably did like one meet a year after that. And two thousand. So in two thousand ten was my first time competing with the thirty twos. Which is, time, which is which is seventy pounds for those yeah, who might seventy not pound be. belts. Sorry, you might yes. not be so as used to the pound kilo conversion in the strength sports community. Uh, you get pretty used to that pretty quick. <laughs> right, right. So I'll, I'll keep. I'll make sure. So the seventy pound bells, um, and that's when you start competing professionally, or what they call it. In in Russian sports, they have a master of sport system. I'm sure you're well aware of this, but a lot of people, I don't know if they are. And uh, basically, they have. It works anywhere from in, in kettlebell sport. It works anywhere from a the, the top is uh, going to be like an honored master of sport or an honored international class master of sport, and that's someone that has actually built the sport and taken it to the next level. Not only have they achieved international level of competition, and basically, it's like being an Olympian. And you've had to, you know, compete at a very high level. And so the honored class master of sport is, is, is given out by like the Russian government. Um, 
or a sports system. What I had I achieved was the the level below that, which is uh, Master of Sport International class. And so that's when you they have rankings and numbers for these. And so to be uh, considered for that in the long cycle, and I weighed eighty five kilos. I had to do over 74 reps. And so I set the American record in, uh, or I guess I broke my own American record in 2014 at the, uh, the uh, OKC uh, World Championships in California and uh, at uh, 81 reps. So it basically, it basically took you five years to reach that, that nearly peak level in the sport. Yeah. Yeah. And so I started when I was 29 and yeah. And so I, I did about was, yeah, 34 and, uh, it was, it was all, I mean, I had really, it was, it was kind of a euphoric experience for me. Um, it was a really big, uh, kettlebell meet and, um, I received the Sergey mission award. I think I was the first person to receive that. And, uh, Sergey mission is kind of this, uh, kettlebell, hero like if you've read enter the kettlebell he's the first story in there um that pavel refers to and he's a uh i believe he's a 10-time world champion he's an honored master of sport international class and uh i i personally received it from him and so uh it was really really uh, just uh, you know almost a euphoric experience for me now you were the first american to achieve master of sport international class in the, in the sport. Is that correct? First American male. First American male. Okay. okay. Yeah. There's uh, like Lauren Kleideman. I believe she was maybe the first. It was either her or I think Donica Storino um, who are two. Like, listen, the women in the sport are way, no disrespect to the men, but are way more badass than the men. I mean, infinitely more. Like they did it first and then – uh, for a long time, they didn't let women long cycle with two bells. And this uh, Kim Fox came around and she broke a world record. I think she did 63 reps with, uh, you know, two 24 kilogram bells in the long cycle. And she's held that world record for like three or four years now. And it's just a, just so tough. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I was the first male to do it. So you've, you've, do you still compete in the long cycle? Have you ever thought about competing in the short cycle or the snatch? Um, I have not. Uh, I, I have competed in the uh, biathlon, which is the snatch and the jerk. And um, I haven't uh, – I've, I've thought about it. I was thinking about doing it, uh, trying to compete in all three this, uh, this year in September, um, coming up at the uh, – uh, the Olympia, but I don't know if we're having that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it's always been something I've kicked around. It's just, uh, it is, uh, it's a lot to train for. And, uh, yeah, honestly, I just, uh, uh, with like my wife and kids and things like that. And, uh, I, I just, uh, I've, I've always just kind of bounced around. I'm like, well, how far can I take the long cycle thing? And, uh, I've always had this in back of my head, uh, wanting to do a hundred reps in 10 minutes. Well, how close are you, Bill? 81, 81 is the closest I've gotten. That's, that's still <laughs> the closest you've gotten. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and it's been uh, six years. So <laughs> there's uh it's, um, it, you know, it's surprisingly hard to even add a rep a minute 
at a, at a certain point. Is has, has anyone has anyone ever achieved a hundred reps in the long cycle? Yeah. So Dennis Vasilov, who's in my weight class, um, has done hundred and one, and I think he he did that the year. So he was the world record holder when I broke the American record, and I believe at that time he had eighty seven reps was the world record. And so I was feeling really, really good about myself. You're like six reps off. I can, I can maybe make up some ground. I can, I can, yeah. I can maybe do this, right? Like this is, this is realistic. And then two months later, he did 101 reps. And, <laughs> and I was like, oh, all right. You just, you just buried me. Um, yeah. So just, just did 25% more work than you, roughly. <laughs> that, that's all, you know? And, uh, and this guy is, he's an animal. And again, going along those same lines of like, couldn't be a better guy couldn't be nicer or more humble and if uh if anybody's interested in kettlebell sport he has a great um instagram page of which you can find a ton of really he gives out really great kind of little tutorials and information and you can watch him lift and uh he just has a great site so so when you our approach, as I'm sure you are, when you're approached by people who are interested in training in kettlebell sport, what is a good way to start off? And and I will say, as, as someone who has, I've done a few sessions under the tutelage of a coach in kettlebell sport, having a background in other strength sports, it's humbling. It's certainly very, very humbling, especially if you already think you're a pretty strong person. How do you recommend folks get started off? Well, I definitely recommend a coach because the positions and the technique are so much different than a lot of other strength sports. The holding the rack position, you have to be relaxed, which that unto itself is a technique to learn. And it takes time. Besides that, uh, I would say I would start off with, learning how to like, how to lift with like one bell first and practicing with a weight. There's like a sweet spot in weights. One is if you go too heavy, it's going to crush you. And if you go too light, it doesn't give you the feedback of, uh, it gives you distorted feedback of that. You're, you kind of think you're stronger than you are and you don't have to be as relaxed And to say what that weight is, it's hard to say until you start kind of lifting it and learning those lifts. Mm. Bill, kettlebell sport is hugely popular in Russia, and there's a lot of debate. Actually, we have an article on Barben about the history of kettlebells. About it's debated as to where exactly kettlebells were first developed. Was it Germany? Was it Russia? Was it somewhere else? But kettlebell sport is hugely popular in Russia. And we've seen some of that bleed over into the United States. You found it in 2009. Steve Cotter has done a ton to popularize kettlebell sport throughout the world, particularly in North America. But it still hasn't quite caught on in the same way that, say, Olympic weightlifting caught on in the past 10 years. Now, you walk into a CrossFit gym, you'll see people doing snatches and clean and jerks. It's arguable that that created an increase in popularity for weightlifting in the United States. You also see kettlebells in CrossFit gyms. But I personally don't feel like kettlebell sport has seen the same incredible exponential growth as a result of CrossFit and the functional fitness movement. Would you agree with that assessment? And 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 if so, why? If not, why not? I definitely would. I think 
a lot of it is because people try and use the kettlebell like a barbell. So uh, when you've traditionally been taught, there's like a, you take an overhand grip, correct? Like let's just say the snatch. Let's take the snatch for instance. You have an overhand grip and a lot of people are taught the punch and pull – the pull and punch method, right? Where you pull it back and as you as the bell starts to kind of turn over, you punch the hand through and bring it up. I mean I think that's kind of uh, your traditional RKC style of lifting and people are taught to get really tight and uh, which, which is fine, especially at first, but it becomes a very awkward tool to use. And traditionally the, in kettlebell sport, so much of it is the bell is spinning. It's never flipping end over end. Uh, It's spinning laterally. And there's really, there's not, if you're banging the bells, you are really not doing it well. And I don't think that you never really saw the actual sport aspect of kettlebells brought into CrossFit Mm -hmm. where you saw the sport aspect of Olympic weightlifting brought in. And with that sport aspect of Olympic weightlifting, I mean, you, you know, CrossFit way better than I do, but I remember there being debates of like, of just different techniques, right? Of, well, if the bar's further away, you have to work harder. So, I mean, you'd see this on, you know, uh, uh, different forums, you know, people arguing like if, there, if it was further away, you had to work harder and therefore it made it a better exercise. And I mean, all, all different types of stuff. But once it really got into sport and you had people that had to compete in sport in Olympic weightlifting and understand what it, you know, they, you know, it, more than just watching it on the Olympics, but they had experienced lifting you know, 95, a hundred pounds, whatever it was, right. A couple hundred pounds. They then understood when they saw an Olympian do it at that super high level, what that took and that it took this high degree of skill and it, it started sparking this interest like any sport does. And CrossFit really brought that to light, but no one really has brought the aspect of kettlebell sport into CrossFit say, or into outside of it kind of being a fringe thing on its own. And I think if it if it did get brought in and, and people did, uh, you know, start experiencing that in you know different workouts or different wads or things like, that, I think it would bring a little more popularity to it. Is that something that you are ever interested in doing over the course of your career? Is is working to inject uh, basically some more visibility into the kettlebell sports space in America? Yeah, I'm hoping to. Um, that's. Uh, a little bit of what I'm hoping to do with my Instagram page in the, on that page, I have a lot of just straight kettlebell exercises, accessory lifts, just exercise stuff. But then I try and incorporate some kettlebell sports stuff. And my technique is all pretty much kettlebell sport. And so even when I'm doing different swings and different exercises, there's a different fluidity to it than if you were watching kind of the uh, I'll just call it the classic like RKC or strength first te- techniques, which again, they're like, I'm not uh, knocking any of it because it's, it's all, it's all good. It's just different. Do you think there's a, a spectator sport aspect here? I mean, Olympic weightlifting, it's cool to see people. It's objectively cool to see people lift 
massive amounts of weight as much as they can once. It's why powerlifting is gaining in popularity. It's why weightlifting is gaining in popularity. Or at least it's why I enjoy watching those sports. I, I'm biased, though. I'm a strength sports journalist. Kettlebell sport, it's someone standing still, moving the same weight for many reps. If you're not watching the whole thing, it's a little tougher to keep track of. And, and maybe most importantly, it's not Instagrammable, right? You can't distill it down to a single lift in a single 10 second clip. You're absolutely right. I mean, do you think, do you think that is holding the sport back? I don't know if it's holding. They've experimented with, with doing shorter, like trying to, you know, do shorter lifts. Uh, they have different competitions. Like at the Arnold, they have an event that I believe like the, uh, the IUKL puts out who is the people that run the Arnold. Um, it's, it's like a shortened like triathlon, I think they call it, where I believe you lift for a minute and you go from, I think, long cycle to snatch to jerk. I might not have that uh, that order correct, but it's it's obvious it's much faster and you do head-to-head competitions. I think I think some of it is just the understanding of the sport. The most exciting part of any of any of it is really to watch the end. Right, <laughs> you know, uh, it's a la- it's, it's the last two minutes when people are really having to dig deep. It's almost better to watch the expressions on their faces than it is to watch <laughs> the bells at that point. Yes, you're absolutely right. It really is. That's uh, the last two minutes are are what is the most exciting. But you need those first eight to see that last two. <laughs> Otherwise, it's uh, it's not nearly. Is that nearly as grueling? Well, CrossFit is, CrossFit has addressed this in an interesting number of fashions as far as making that into a better spectator sport. Rep counters, athletes advancing down you know, a field of play as they get to progressive sets on certain exercises where it might be otherwise difficult to keep track. Like there are there are, I think there is room for experimentation, even within the most mundane workout or test of endurance, right? Like there is a way to make it exciting. Some of that is through color commentary. Some of that's through rep counters or other effects. Like there is a way to up the production there, I feel. Yeah, you're, I think you're 100% right. I, I don't have an answer <laughs> to that. Um, but there definitely is a way to do it. Uh, I, think, I think there's a potential for the sport to really grow part of it is because you can train anywhere. My most of actually most of my meets that I trained for, I trained in my garage and a lot of times it was just with bells. And that's more than enough room. That's more like you don't, you don't need, you don't even need a garage. A lot of people are training in their apartments in a small backyard. I've seen videos of people training kettlebell sport in their kitchen. It's, yeah. it's, it's certainly something that if space is at a premium, it might be the sport for you because you can also get all the equipment you need with a few sets of bells. Yes, and the other advantage of it is as opposed to training for, say, a triathlon or CrossFit or a number of things, is your training sessions. So they're, they're probably an hour like any other training session, but – the work with the bell is almost never more than a half hour of time. You have a 15 minute warm up. You have 
your bells work, whatever sets and things that you're doing with those. And then you have some conditioning and then a cool down. And it's so much more manageable if you, like for me, the reason I chose it was because I had family. And at the time I had a gym and a number of other responsibilities, but I wanted to compete in something. And it being set up the way that it is, that it's a 10 minute event and that you have basically one skill set to learn, you can do it. And you don't need any space. I mean, if you have a yoga mat's amount of space, you can definitely get ready for it. Well, certainly something that I think a lot more people are considering during a, a difficult time when folks are basically stuck at home and a lot of gyms are closed. So it's it's interesting to see uh, your platform's growth during this time and and potentially that could translate into some more interest not only in training with kettlebells but in kettlebell in kettlebell sport itself. Uh, Bill, where is the best place for people to follow along with the work you're doing and the best place for them to get in touch if they have any questions about kettlebell sport or just want to drop a line and say, hey. Uh, on Instagram, uh, my uh, tag is kettlebell warrior. So if they put that in, they can find me there or uh, kettlebellwarriorfitness.com. Excellent. Bill, very much appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck, and you know maybe this conversation reignites a fire to get to a hundred reps in the long cycle. But <laughs> hey, thanks, man. Uh, yeah, don't 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 blame don't blame me if that causes a whole world of agony, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this has been right. great. Thank you so much. I love your show. All right, thanks for tuning in. All right, thanks. 